Get ready, Avalanche Territory. Denver Sports presents the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans. Denver Sports is your home for the most Avalanche content. Now here's your host, Mike Evans. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast. I am Mike Evans. Great to have you with us. And we'll jump right in. If you are uh, watching this on our website at denversports.com, you can also go to the other part of the website where my column, my most recent Avs column, is posted. And really what it is, it's about how the Avalanche have survived their bumpy ride this season and now look dangerous. And the gist of the, the column is this, is that, first of all, I pat myself on the back. Because I, I tried to tell people throughout this entire season, pay no attention to the slumps. Pay no attention to the up-and-down nature of this season. That this, so much of what's gone on this season can be easily explained as a team that just just couldn't find that that motivation until really around this time of the year. And you're looking at a team that was struggling through the first part of the season and completely understandable. It's a long hockey season. I guess sometimes I know it's difficult to put yourself in the place of a world-class hockey player who's making millions of dollars. Gee, why would that be hard to do? But if you, if you, if you try to think about it, you're talking about a team that won a Stanley Cup, short off season, and can you imagine sitting there opening night yeah, you're excited, but once the excitement of opening night and the banner goes up, sort of dies away, what are you left with? Oh, my goodness, this is a long season. We have months and months and months of hockey before we, we get to the playoffs. And so I think it was understandable that this was a team that was going to go through their lulls, but I never worried about this team being able to find their motivation. And right now we're looking at a team that, as we speak right now, have won six in a row. They have the league's best, longest winning streak. And right now they just seem like a team that's finding that next gear. But there are some people I do want to salute and and sort of call out in a positive way to make sure that they're identified and talked about for getting us to this point. Because the contributions of Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon, to a little bit lesser extent, Kale McCarr, but mainly I want to talk about Rantanen and McKinnon, are the reasons why I feel so confident about the Avalanche going into the playoffs and why I think they're an absolute uh, nightmare for the rest of the Western Conference. Think about the Western Conference, if, if you will, for a second. Think about teams like Dallas, Minnesota, Vegas, uh, LA Kings, heck, the Seattle Kraken, all these you know, would-be contenders in the Western Conference looking at the Avalanche slumbering for most of the season and thinking, okay, here we go. We're, you know, we're accumulating points. The Avs are struggling to even get into the playoff picture. And even if they get into the playoff picture, it's as a wild card. Now you look at the Avalanche, and as you look at the Avs, the way they're playing right now, factor in the schedule coming down the stretch. Look at all the easy opponents they have. They have uh, a couple games with Anaheim. They have a couple games with Arizona. They have a couple games with San Jose. This team looks like a team that is poised to not only finish second in their division, which would mean home ice in a first-round matchup with Minnesota, 
I think they're going to overtake Dallas for the top spot in the division, which immediately makes them the number two seed in the West. And honestly, especially with the schedule coming down the stretch and them having a couple games in handy in hand, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this team ends up being the number one seed in the West. Can you imagine how demoralizing that would be for the rest of the so-called pretenders in the Western Conference that after a season like this, the Avalanche able to find such a late kick to finish with the best record in the West and have home ice throughout? What a demoralizing blow that would be for the psyche of the other teams in the West. So, But I want to get back to Rantanen and McKinnon. Rantanen has been the Avs MVP this season. Start to finish, the guy has had no let-up, right? But McKinnon has come on over these last couple of months and has just been that that Nathan McKinnon we know and love so so much, right? The just snarling, competitive, feisty, uh, not tonight, I'm not going to be deterred, I'm not going to be denied tonight type of Nathan McKinnon. And these two, in, in my opinion, deserve so much credit because, yeah, there are champions that are crowned every single year, but it's rare the team that's able to go back-to-back. Back. And those teams that are able to go down in the history books – as having gone back-to-back, they're special because they have a standard that they don't deviate from. What is the standard? The standard's the standard. And with the Avalanche, you can tell now that they have a certain expectation of who they are, what they are. But the only way that is going to work and that and the only way that's going to stay in place is if you have the players and and as great as I, as as much as I love Jared Bednar we'll talk about him in a second it has to come from the players it has to and so when you have guys like uh Rantanen and and McKinnon who whether it was during the first part of the season when the Avs you know through the middle of January were basically a 500 hockey team to now where since the middle of January they've been the uh, second or third hottest team in hockey it's it's the way the, the night to night uh, demanding of that standard, not only from themselves, but once you see a Miko Rantanen playing at a, at a level like this and a Nathan McKinnon playing at a level like this, everybody else joins in line. Why? Because you have to. You have to. How can anybody on that team come to the rink? Oh, I don't have it tonight, right? How can you have that kind of attitude? When you see Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon just playing with their hair on fire. And so it's it's the the way that these two have led by example, not only what they demand of themselves, but what they demand of others, that I think has kept this team uh, afloat throughout the course of the season and has put them in a position where they have this this finishing kick that it looks like they're going to go on. I just feel like they've gone through the roughest part and that this team has sort of a new lease on life, right? That the long season doesn't seem so long anymore. The finish line seems to be in place, and now there's a renewed sense of uh, enthusiasm. Let's bring these playoffs on. We know how good we are. And when you look around the West, man, I, I know it's a broken record. I've been saying it. I've been writing it. I've been talking about it on the radio show. I just don't see anybody in the West being able to beat this team four times in a series. And and notice that when I talk about the Avs, I always talk about the West, winning the West and set up to win the West. I I, I do think that when it comes to winning the Cup again, mm, I have some reservations about that. But 
first things first, you got to get there, right? And I really feel strongly about this team's chances going into the Western Conference playoffs, first three rounds. Feel really good about it. Uh, Jared Bednar. Let's talk about Jared Bednar. Uh, he got the three-year contract extension. No surprise. Uh, what what a what a terrific coach. And I made the argument during our radio show that Bednar, his story, I believe, makes him maybe the most interesting, successful head coach in Denver sports history. And, and let me explain myself on that because, first of all, you're talking about the classic background, former minor league player minor league coach, working his way up through the different uh, steps to get to the point to get a chance. But remember how he got his chance. It was with an avalanche team that was terrible. It was with an avalanche team that was in, in complete strip it to the studs, rebuild mode. And he gets hired, and, and I remember when he got hired. Who's Jared Bednar? Who is this guy? And the prevailing opinion was, this is a guy who's been hired to take a beating, right? The Avalanche are no good. Uh, they've got some bright prospects, but they're going to lose a lot. And we need a coach who's just going to be able to take those losses uh, with, a, with a patient, smiling face, right? He's here to take a beating, and then once the Avalanche rebuild, retool, we'll bring in a real coach, to uh, take this team to where we think they can go. But a funny thing happened. After having and coaching this team to the worst season in Avalanche history, all he did was just keep winning. And he just kept getting better. And the team kept listening to him. And the team kept responding to him. And all the while, uh, really gaining a strong sense of what this team was and who they are, and and how to get the best out of them. And and Bednar, if you put that all together, his his background, uh, the circumstances under which he was hired, like Bob Hartley. Bob Hartley is, man, I love Bob Hartley. Bob Hartley, I, I had so much uh, fun getting to know Bob Hartley, and, and he had a rags-to-riches story as well. But remember, he took over a stacked team. I mean, that was a team that was ready to win, that had already won. So that wasn't the case with Bednar. Um, even, you know, you talk about Mark Crawford, you know, and, and, the, and the success he had. And, again, that was a team that, that that team was coming. That team was being built in Quebec, and it was ready to take off when it got to, to Denver. So Bednar, not only just within Avalanche history, but also compared to some of the other teams, uh, we've only had a couple teams in town that have won championships. So you, you look at your Mike Shanahan's, you look at your Gary Kubiak's, you look at your Super Bowl winners versus the Avs winning a cup. I'll put Bednar's uh, rise to fame uh, against anybody's. And so justly deserved. Plus, as uh, our producer, John Simmer on the Schlereth and Evans program, uh, Johnny Fever, as we, we call him, I love the reaction that he gave to us here when the news came down that uh, Bednar had got the contract extension. Johnny had a great reaction to it, and I want to share it with you. He sent us along the link to the story, and then he just wrote, three more years of tight European suits. <laughs> so, man, I, I will say this. Nobody, nobody has looked better on the bench, behind the bench, or on the sideline than Jared Bednar has. So congratulations to him. Uh, Well-deserved with the contract extension. Uh, I hope that the Avs can win a Stanley Cup just so I can see uh, emotionally incontinent, incontinence uh, Jared Bednar. The 
the crying, the the fact he couldn't keep his emotions together after being such, you know, buttoned down, bottled up Jared Bednar. So cool. Bond, right? Bond-like. To see him just just lose it and just have all that emotion uh pour out was was awesome. And every time every time we we play clips from that uh, parade with him I love you guys. I mean, it, it comes across as just, I love you guys. Uh, that's awesome. I, I can't get enough of it. I love it. I love Bednar. I'm happy for Bednar. But but think about Bednar's role in this season, right? And again, it goes back to what I was talking about, uh, about understanding your team. And at no point this season did I ever sense any panic from Jerry Bednar uh, yeah, there'd be nights where the Avs didn't play well, and he'd say it, he, but he didn't, really, like, raise his voice. There was no ranting and raving and tantrum throwing. It was it was just kind of like, hey, look, you know, we're better than that. That's not our standard around here. Uh, we have to play better. That's unacceptable, um, which is fine, and it's it's well within bounds for him to say those things, but he never panicked. And I think the worst thing would have been with this team – that he clearly trusts, why why draw extra attention to what's going on by panicking, by calling guys out, by uh, ranting and raving? There, there's no point in it, and he understood that. He understands his team. He knows his team. He trusts his team, and even through the rough, bumpy spots in this season, um, he never freaked out, and I, I think that's a testament to who he is as a coach because some coaches wouldn't wouldn't have that kind of patience. They they'd start to feel like I I got to I got to take tighter control of the reins here. Uh, I need to lead these guys out of it. You know, and then usually what happens then a coach does that he just makes it more of a mess than it needs to be. Bednar, very patient, uh, very trustworthy of his team. And it's those traits that he possesses, that coolness that he displays, that I think really served this team well uh, through the tough, bumpy times that this team has gone through. So congratulations to Bednar. But not all is perfect with the Avs. There is still the the issue of the injuries. And that's something that's going to be hovering over this team. And it, and it might be hovering over this team even into the playoffs. So the most recent update that we got on some of the key Avalanche players, and I'll just kind of read down the list, is that you're looking at the guys that are close to returning, and that would fall under Eric Johnson is close to returning, Darren Helm, in the words of Jared Bednar, is close to returning, Kale McCarr is is just kind of dealing with a, a minor thing. It's a day-to-day. It's just, hey, let's be sure with Kale. But if the playoffs were tomorrow, Kale McCarr would be playing tomorrow, so I don't worry about that. So, those are, that's the good news. Now, Josh Manson, Pavel Fransos, in the words of Jared Bednar, not skating yet. Okay, that's, uh, all right, we still got time. We still have time. Uh, and you'd figure these guys, once they start skating, should be able to get ramped up pretty quickly. But still a ways to go, not skating. Gabe Landeskog. Uh, when Gabe hit the ice the other day, and when Gabe was involved in the skate around with the team prior to the Chicago game. It really lifted a lot of hopes. Hey, captain's out there. He's out there skating with the boys. He's wearing a non-contact jersey, but hey, he's out there skating. That that enthusiasm tempered a bit by Bednar saying of Landis God, quote, still not close. He wanted to skate. 
Okay, how do we interpret that? Uh, Gabe's got to be frustrated. Uh, Gabe wants to to speed this up. Bednar has said repeatedly that Gabe's kind of on his own timeline. Does that sound like a guy that's close to returning to you? It doesn't to me. Now, hey, maybe the Az are playing this this big game of, um, you know, playing it really coy and, uh, you know, letting everybody think that, that Gabe isn't isn't close. And then voila, game one, round one, there he is, Gabe Landeskog, hair flowing out there being Gabe Landeskog. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't think that we're playing games here. I, I think that if if Gabe Landeskog uh, is ready to play, is close to playing, they want to get him out there as soon as possible. Because think about it. I, I know last year Gabe took the final two months of the regular season off uh, to come back from a, a, a knee operation, and he came back after missing the last couple months of the season. Jumped back in and was terrific. 20 playoff games. He had 11 goals, 11 assists, 22 points in 20 playoff games. And he was like a plus 15. Fantastic, right? But keep in mind, he had played 51 games that season. He played 51 regular season games before he had to shut it down. But at least he had those 51 games to kind of draw on, right? Gabe Landeskog hasn't played since June 26th of last year. June 26th. So, you know, I, I, at this point, we were talking about this uh, on the Slareth and Evans show on where would we put the odds of Gabe playing at the start of the playoffs. I think it's less than 50-50. I don't know, just, again, maybe they, they are hoodwinking all of us, um, but it just feels like this thing is, is iffy or even below iffy. I put it at about 45% that he plays. Mark Slareth went even lower, and Mark Mark speaks injury. He knows his injuries. His read on it is that it's more like 30 or 35% uh, that Gabe plays. So we, we hold out hope, but I don't know, just picking up on the, the vibes and picking up on, on some of the words from Bednar, it just feels like this thing is is farther away than, than you might hope and that some kind of imminent return um, is doubtful. And the other thing, too, is you got to think about is that uh, Gabe Landeskog's a proud guy. And Gabe Landeskog's a captain. And Gabe Landeskog is not going to go out there just to satisfy his ego and pride. I think Gabe Landeskog is, is smart enough and is, is tied in enough as the leader of this team to know, I can't go out there and hurt these guys. I can't go out there and mess with the continuity, chemistry of lines just so they can find a way to shoehorn me in and get a little bit of uh, playing time, uh, especially during the playoffs. If I'm going to come back, i got to come back like I did last year. Yeah, I missed the last two months of the season, but you know, come back and be ready to roll. Unless he is ready to come in and play at that kind of level, I think a guy like Gabe Landeskog, knowing I don't want to hurt my team, would step back and say, hey, I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready to do this. And there are other issues at play. Gabe, Gabe needs to think about the fact that he he still has uh, a long career ahead of him. Um, the Avalanche have to think about, hey, we got a lot of money invested in Gabe for the next several years. How much does that play a role? I, I think it plays a part of it. 
but not a huge part. If Gabe, if Gabe is ready to go, I think that they want to give it a try. And if he's maybe even not 100%, I don't think he will be, but if there's a sense that he's worked himself back up to where he's like at 70 80%, give it a go, right? Give it a shot. Um, but I do think that he has to get some games in before the end of the regular season. I, I just think it's tough to expect a guy who hasn't played at all this year, hasn't played since last June, to think that he's going to be able to jump right into the 100-mile-an-hour intensity of the Stanley Cup playoffs and be able to be plugged in on, on, on the first or second line. And here you go, Gabe. Go do Gabe stuff. I, I, th- I think that's asking a lot. Um, the good news is with this team, I, I think even with some of the injuries – and some of the players that they, um, y- you know, are hoping to get back or maybe don't get back, I still think this team is the best team in the West. So uh, they're in a good spot right now. I feel really good about where they're at. I think they feel like they've come through the worst part of it, and and they can see that finish line in sight, and and they're excited about it. Jared Bednar has a new contract that has to give the room a bit of a lift. So I think this team's in a good spot. Uh, but I, I will I will say that as good as I think this team is to be able to get to the Stanley Cup Finals without Gabe Landeskog, I still think when it comes time to winning it all again, they have to have a healthy Gabe, uh, or at least close to the kind of Gabe that they had last year in the playoffs. If they can get that kind of guy, then I think they can go back-to-back. If they can't, I think they can get to that final round. But as far as getting over the top again, it might be difficult to do. We shall see, but that's that's a conversation, that's a debate, that's a worry for later down the road. Right now, things are good with your Colorado Avalanche. So thank you so much for watching this edition of the Mile High Hockey Podcast. Check out my column at denversports.com. For both the podcast, the column, please give me your feedback. I'd appreciate it any way you'd like. You can hit me up on Twitter at MikeEvans1043. Always hit me up during the course of the uh, Schlereth and Evans program on the text line, and uh, love to get your feedback there. Thanks to uh, Sean Gates for engineering and putting all this thing together. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.